I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP Show. My intention is that you listen to the stories of these MVP guests and are inspired to become an MVP and bring value to the world through your skills. If you have not checked it out already, I do a YouTube series called How to Become an MVP. The link is in the show notes. With that, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from the United Kingdom. He works for Tech Labs London as a solution architect and owner. He's uh, been an MVP for about five years. We'll get him to confirm. But he's a regular speaker on the speaking circuit, talking about power apps, dynamics, customer engagement, AI, chatbots, cloud and digital transformation, and customer technology strategy. You can find him on Twitter at M-I-M-C-R-M. Welcome to the show, Mohammed Mustafa. Hi, Mark. Thanks very much for having me. Great to be here. Thanks, man. I, I reckon your last name has got to be like the best na- last name on earth. Just reminds me of Mustafa, you know, like out of the, the movie. Was it in a movie? Or, yeah. Yeah, it feels so like cool. I've got two first names. A lot of people call me Mustafa. Some people call me Muhammad. So. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. It works. It works. I just no couldn't. Problem. I could imagine you in a boxing ring and, you know, the caller on the, on the ring coming, Mohammed Mustafa. Yeah, it's like awesome. It's a real rock type name, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. So, Mohammed, it's been a long time since you've been on the podcast. You came on the podcast, um, wow, back in the early days of me starting podcasting. And I know what we talked about because, and this is a thing, I've done over 350, I think, odd podcasts, and I don't remember many of the podcasts I do. But I know that, uh, you know, GDPR, was it the big talk of the day back then? It was coming and everyone was like, how's this going to affect our CRM data? And so we had a big chat around what GDP, was it GDP? No, not GDP, GDP. GDPR, what what GDPR was, how it was going to impact business. And of course, every, I mean, I think it was one of the most listened to episodes because a lot of companies, a lot of individuals needed tools to know what does this mean? And of course, now we're what, three or four years on since uh, GDPR has been a market and it's it's accepted. It is indeed. I think we, uh, from, I think GDPR came into effect in May 2018. So it's almost four years now. And, and I think there was a lot of panic before. And I, you know, not by design, I found myself um, getting into GDPR and GDPR for Microsoft Dynamics 365 and having to learn a lot about it. Although I was never an expert, but it was, it was important and, and um, essential enough for, uh, for the work I was doing. But yeah, as you said, I think Fast forwarding to today, we um, we have pretty much every organization taking GDPR on board, especially in Europe and the United Kingdom and quite a few other countries who work with Euro- Europe or have similar data protection laws. And uh, it's it's absorbed, accepted, and um, implemented now in every program we do. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely, right? It's become, I mean, and Microsoft has adopted it universally. It doesn't matter whether you're in Europe or not. Absolutely. And I think it brings a lot of controls as well for organizations as a data controller, for partners if they are data processors, and of course, Microsoft um, as, as providers of the cloud. Um, brings a lot of controls and also discipline for um, a lot of a lot of us, which you know I think it was there, but it wasn't as strong as it is now. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a bit about you, family, food, and fun. What do they mean to you? I've I you know I follow you on socials. I've seen you've been traveling lots lately, but but what do you do when you're not working? Hmm. Good question. So uh, yeah, I have been traveling recently, and and I think as uh, hopefully the pandemic in, is uh, coming to an end, I would like to think. Um, I have felt, and I'm sure you have felt as well, Mark. You've traveled a lot all the time. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to feel. I started to feel that uh, I'm a bird in a cage. So I was. Uh, I was really looking forward for the uh, ease of the pandemic and um, started to travel quite a bit, mostly for business, but. Um, it was good. It was still good to get on planes and, and travel from place to the other. So yeah, so um, family is um, is good. Um, still have two boys who are growing uh, fast and becoming men. Uh, still call them boys, but they are coming up to be uh, adults now. And um, work is is growing um, as fast as I um, hoped for, or maybe a little bit more. Um, and the travel is, is travel is fun. Um, we have an office in um, United Arab Emirates, Dubai, Abu Dhabi. We've got um, two offices there, and I've been there for quite a few uh, quite a few times in the last few months. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and what about your Cairo office? So the Cairo office is also growing, um, although it has been shut because of the pandemic for for almost two years now. Um, but the the team in Cairo is growing fast, um, and it's uh, when on the occasions when we get the team together or some of the team together, it's uh, it's a lot of fun for the team to uh, to meet up. But we've been very careful not to force anyone to go back to the office unless they're comfortable to do so. So it has been a slow return to the office in Cairo. Um, unlike in the UK, for example, we started to get back to the office a few months now. For a few months, we um, we we're regularly almost every day in the office. Uh, and very few people working remotely. And you're originally from Egypt, right? I am indeed, yeah. Yeah. So do you get back there much yourself? I'm not. Surprisingly, I'm not. I, I've been to Egypt very few times over the past few years, um, only because, uh, you know, we can conduct our business from anywhere in the world. Uh, most of my family are actually in the UK. So the the reason to travel to Egypt, other than for fun and, and tourism, um, is I don't have kind of any uh, any urgency, and also from a customer perspective, most of our customers in the Middle East are around the United Arab Emirates and the Gulf region. So most of my business trips are around this area, as opposed to um, Cairo or Egypt. But yeah, it's always fun to be in Egypt and um, and in the whole region. I think um, the region around Dubai and I don't know if you've been to Dubai recently, Mark. I know you've travelled a lot, but I, I don't know if you if you have. But not for the last couple of years. Yeah. I've definitely been through Dubai a few times. I'm yeah. sure you did. Yeah, but it's uh, it's growing massively as a as a as a hub for business as well, and um, lots of people are moving there now with the what we call the um, uh, you know the digital uh, era that we're living in. Anyone can work from anywhere in the world. There's quite a few no- digital nomads that are settling around Dubai, which is also generating a lot of um, interesting um, dynamics in this in this part of the world 
Yeah. It's interesting. I haven't heard that term digital nomads for probably two or three years, yet I felt that I was one, right, when I was you traveling were, you were. so much so so much at that time. But I, I suppose, you know, we've all been digital now for so long, maybe not nomadic as you know, as the term, but I, I assume that post pandemic, you know, people have, as you say, bird in the cage, got cabin fever. People are just gonna get out and explore. I'm already clocking up the number of locations I want to go to. I never went to Egypt, and um, the closest I've been to Egypt was um, on the other side of the Sudan, a little country called Eritrea. And um, and I feel like there's so much of the continent of Africa that, that needs to be unpacked and explored. And then South America is another whole area that I haven't gone to or visited much, let alone, you know, I've done uh, areas of Asia and I want to do more, but, um, yeah. I tell you what, I'm I'm looking forward to the pandemic being over. You know, I'll, I'll let you into a secret. I think you, you Mark, were the first person to ever mention the, the term uh, digital nomad to me many years ago when you were talking about how you wanted to be a digital nomad working from anywhere in the world. I really like the idea, actually, although I never implemented it. But it's, uh, it's definitely a very interesting idea. But I think lots of people now, especially with the pandemic, that has enabled and accelerated this concept of being a digital nomad. You know, think of yourself if you're a consultant or a developer or uh, anyone working in technology or even graphic design. You can work from anywhere in the world as long as you've got a good internet connection and you can sit on a desk nine to six or seven or whatever the hours you're doing, you you can do the job. You don't have to be physically in a certain country or a certain city. Yeah. And I feel that even um, the good internet connection is almost becoming a non-issue now because, you know, Starlink here I am, I'm 40 minutes from my closest city. I'll never get fiber here. It'll never be economical enough. But I have a Starlink dish, and the new Starlink form factor could easily fit in a suitcase. And I know their their model, at the moment, you are limited based on your geography. In other words, you, the satellites light up to your area specifically, so you're in um, a, you know, a grid. But I know the long-term plan is that basically you can take your dish anywhere in the world and have consistent, reliable internet. That would be fantastic. It is, uh, I think it's definitely enabling this digital nomad concept massively. I, I've only got one of my uh, colleagues and friends at Tech Club London who, um, who has got Starlink. And, and again, similar to you, um, they're very excited about it. It's obviously new technology, but I can see the potential for it. Both for the kind of the the concept of enabling other maybe underrepresented areas in the world like Africa or other areas where they can have access to good internet connections, reliable internet connections, so they can you know learn and develop and, and be able to achieve their full potential. Uh, but also for digital nomads or people who are keen to to work from anywhere in the world and. And certainly for myself, if I, um, you know, if I can get a reliable internet connection where I, wherever I am, I would be traveling even more than what I'm trying to do. I think. Yeah, I think it's only a matter of time before one Teslas uh, have um, satellite connectivity built in, um, and the second thing I think that will happen is, uh, and I'm pretty confident it'll happen, is that Tesla will release a mobile phone. And it will it'll be satellite enabled. So once again, you could go to any country in the world; won't matter. It will just work, you know. So I think that amazing was 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 there. Do you remember many many years ago? Um, there was a company called Thuraya, which 
used to have this concept of satellite mobile phones. I don't know what happened to it, but it was a very interesting concept that you could be, you could have one number that works from anywhere in the world. Uh, and it uses satellites um, for for connectivity as opposed to masts and, and telephony, kind of the, the technical telephony connections. So yeah, we're definitely going in that direction. And I think day by day, this concept of uh, being very um, local or being or having to be local to a customer or to a business or or anything else is is bit of it is going to be uh, uh, something of the past. I, I would say if it wasn't the pandemic, it would have taken us maybe 10, 15, maybe 20 years for this to happen. But I think because of the pandemic now, a lot of customers are very happy to have 100% of a multi-million pound program completely delivered remotely. Yeah, totally. Totally. How did you become an MVP? How did how did you get into the MVP program? What was that journey for you? So it was always about um, the community element. I um, I had a role before Tech Labs London where um, I, I was working at one of the big four and I was building a Microsoft Dynamics practice there and I really had very little time to, to do any type of community work. But I always felt um, I had a passion to do presentations, share knowledge, do podcasts like the one we're doing or or any kind of similar community and learning because I'm learning every day from the community and I feel like I have to give back to this community and I enjoy doing that and I enjoy helping uh, other people learning from other people as well as uh, perhaps um, sharing some knowledge with other people so uh, once I made the move into setting up Tech Labs London as a Microsoft Dynamics and Power Platform practice I decided to go full you know full speed onto this um, community journey uh, i did a lot of um, events and speaking events and i attended a lot of conferences and then i worked with uh, another microsoft mvp if you remember um, back in the day 365 saturday when it first started i worked with uh, riz um, on on kind of starting to do a few uh, events i think one of the flagship event the 365 saturday type events yeah yeah yeah. i remember um, january 2018 was one of the biggest uh, london events that we did and we had james phillips attending and i did the question and answer with james phillips if you remember when he uh, um, talked about the outlook client and its deprecation and And that all blew up up. (laughs) so yeah it's great memories now we're laughing about it i think at the time we were like all worried about what's going to happen but now it's uh it's all uh it's good memories. And yeah, so I think that really created the passion. And then the other thing that really helped is the community in Microsoft, the Microsoft Dynamics and Power Platform community. Our community is, is very welcoming. Uh, you'll find people trying to help each other all the time. They generally don't have any other interest other than helping each other. Um, you know, help and be helped is, is the motto really. And that again created this community feel that, um, um, got me to do more and more. I did a lot of mentorship, uh, and I still do a lot of mentorship. I really enjoy mentoring people. Some of the people, um, I hope I have helped, uh, early in their careers and now, you know, three, four years, um, experience in Dynamics and Power Platform and they're, you know, consultants on, on good, um, in good companies and earning good salaries. So that kind of, you know, that really makes me tick. And I'm sure it does for you and lots of other Microsoft MVPs. It makes us tick to see people successful. Perhaps if I, if I have 1% um, kind of uh, input into this success, of course, it's 99.9% is their effort. But even if I have 0.1% of, of um, help to get people successful is, uh, is a great achievement. It's, it's something that I feel very proud of. And if I can repeat it with many people, uh, it helps. So the mentorship, the events, the speaking, 
um, all led into the nomination to be a Microsoft MVP and and earning this award um, afterwards, which was uh, which was fantastic. Yeah, it was. Well, I was living in London and talking with you that um, that we discussed, you know, mentoring. And of course, I looked at how could I mentor once again in a digitally nomadic type way, being remote and not in person. And and it was out of those c- discussions with you that the 90-day mentoring challenge, you know, that I started up. And, you know, I think I've had over 400 people go through that now. Um, currently got 130 active people on it this time um, out of around 250. N- not like not everybody's fully active, you know, because everyone's got time commitments. I'm doing it around the globe, you know, so, but that all came from, you know, I think we were sitting in a cafe in, uh, I remember the day, absolutely. Uh, in London, right? Uh, was it Pret Cafe, yeah. I feel? It, it was in Baker Street. I think it was Baker Street in London. And uh, I talked to you about my small mini kind of mentorship program. And, and you told me about your big idea around mentorship, which you've gone away and, and implemented. And it has been, uh, you know, it's been fantastic. I heard a lot about, uh, the effort that you, um, you know, people around you have done. And, and I think it's great. And again, you know, even if, even if five people, um, benefited from it, obviously we're talking about hundreds here, but even if five people, that's quite a lot of, you know, quite a lot of achievement, quite a big achievement for many, many people to, uh, to change the lives for, for of some people and getting them into, um, you know, into a better career or a different career or, or improving in their lives. And then you build your network on, on the back of that, right? You've got lots of people who appreciate you and appreciate the effort that you put into it. And that's how, you know, it, the Microsoft MVP helps you as a person and helps your career as well, is that as you're helping people, people appreciate that and they try to help you back. And it's just, you know, mutual benefit all the time for for nothing other than, the intention of helping others, but that obviously have advantages and we end up helping each other and growing personally and as a business as well. Yeah. I like what you said there. It's only 1%, you know, of what we do, but, you know, it's the massive effort on on the mentee's part. And I really feel like it is a match lighting a fuse, right? We might be the match to light the fuse, but at the end of the day, all the activity, the engagement, the 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 bringing value to the community comes from those individuals right that that take the spark of an idea and, and turn it into something i love it tell me tell me uh uh let's let's you know grab a crystal ball and look ahead what what do you see on on the landscape either in the community or in um in the business application space what what does 2022 into 2023 look like for you so I think on, on the Microsoft business solutions in general, I think the future, in my opinion, and I'm not uh, exaggerating, I think the future is very bright. I think we, we already have fantastic couple of years in the middle of a pandemic when other, you know, very unfortunate um, events happened and very unfortunate business uh, businesses have failed in other um, sectors. You can see that the Microsoft business solution sector is growing and growing fast and um, we didn't have a, a month of, of slowdown during the pandemic as a, as a business, and I'm sure lots of other Microsoft partners had similar growth. So if we can do this during the pandemic, I think we can do even better in the recovery and the bounce back that happens after the pandemic, which hopefully we are at the start of or in the middle of, depending on where you are in the world. 
Um, so I think the future is bright. I think the future, in my opinion, and I have no insights or no knowledge, so not part of my MVP or none under my NDA, but I can, I can imagine a lot of acquisitions by Microsoft as well that would strengthen the Microsoft Business Solutions area with new products, maybe add-ons, additional features, things around AI. Again, I repeat, I have no specific knowledge of anything. I'm just, um, uh, you know, expecting this as a natural growth for the community. Number one, because Microsoft is doing very well financially in general, is doing fantastically well, specifically around business solutions. Very successful few years in the past few years since uh, probably James Phillips uh, took um, took on the, the leadership and of course everyone around him. I think that has been very successful um, for many of us um, as well. And then in addition to this, um, then the, the, the growth of the market of Microsoft Business Solutions hopefully is going to be reflected um, by, you know, growing into a much bigger, maybe untapped market areas and market sectors, but also hopefully winning some of the market share from some of our Microsoft Business Solution competitors, uh, without mentioning names, but you know who I'm talking about. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think the, the future bright in this regard. It's not an easy battle. It's not an easy, challenge it's definitely a uh, hard challenge for a lot of us we face kind of non-microsoft competitors every day and we're winning by focusing on innovation rapid deployments we our motto in tech labs london is um impactful innovation rapidly deployed you know four letters four words but we we really genuinely believe in and i think that's how we can compete against some of the maybe old school um, vendors that might have good products but not as innovative and as advanced and as modern as the Microsoft Business Solutions. So yeah, I think the future is bright and I think uh, working together, all of us in the community would help grow that, um, uh, grow this uh, market. I think the challenge, the big challenge we all have is going to continue to be the talent and the availability of um, good talent and good resources and good people in the community. And that goes back again to the same point, which is the more we work as a community, the bigger talent pool we will create, the more opportunities we'll give to people, um, the, the bigger the community is, the, the availability of resources gets better and better. So it's a win-win really for everyone. We help other people to um, to grow um, and, and learn and, and they, they come into our community and um, help us, um, you know, to have more resources. Thank you, Mohammed, for coming on the show. Thanks, Mark. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 guy. If you like the show and want to be a supporter, check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 guy. Thanks again, and see you next time.